now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you on this beautiful Thursday with my good buddy Rich Hill to break down week seven in the NFL. Rich, we're almost at the halfway point of the NFL season. What the hell just happened? Oh, I know, right? I I feel like we were just talking about how the preseason's here. And now the season's almost halfway over. I mean, I guess technically for the Patriots, the season's just about to begin. Um, they've really had an extended pre- uh, preseason, you know, 10 weeks of really not much competition. And now they're really going to start the, the meat of the schedule, starting with a primetime game against the New York Jets. They're looking revitalized, rejuvenated with Sam Darnold back on the sideline. They're coming off of a victory over what looked to have been a good Dallas Cowboys team. We're almost at the halfway point, as you said. Teams are declaring who they are. We can determine whether they're good, they're bad, or they're just in that sloppy middle, which there are a ton of teams there. I think we should look at this Week 7 slate and just kick it off right now. Uh, Thursday night game, Chiefs at Broncos. Chiefs have looked like one of those sloppy in the middle teams over the past couple of weeks. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, this is really interesting because, A, it's a divisional game, and I always feel like you can throw any type of predictions or stats or prognostications out the window when it's a divisional matchup. It's on the road in Denver, which is a very tough place to play. It's very loud. The altitude can mess with you. And it's Thursday night, which means the guys aren't healthy yet. They're not rested. It's going to be a sloppy, crappy, garbage product that no one likes except for the NFL because they make money. And so, <laughs> and, the, and the Broncos are coming off a, a shutout of the Titans where they looked – they looked okay. The defense looked solid. Titans aren't very good, granted, but they have confidence and they're building momentum. Uh, they won two straight, I believe, unless I'm mistaken. So, I mean, I still think the Chiefs pull this out. This is a classic kind of bounce-back game for Patrick Mahomes and company, but it might not be the the blowout that it would have been, say, had we predicted this game in Week 2 because the Chiefs are vulnerable at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And if there is a defense that could kind of mirror what other teams have been able to do against the Chiefs, I don't see why the Broncos can't be one of them. Uh, you know, their head coach is Vic Fangio. They're trying to figure out their identity, uh, but, you know, only allowed 13 points to the Chargers in week five, zero to the Titans, as you said. They currently rank seventh in points allowed, fourth in yards allowed. They have a very good defense. You know, they got Von Miller out there. They have Chris Harris at cornerback, one of the best uh, cornerbacks you'll ever see out there. So they have the talent. I don't see why they couldn't defensively match up against the Chiefs team. It's just a matter of can their offense do anything, and I don't know if anyone should or can trust Joe Flacco to do things. But who knows? Maybe he'll Flacco his way with a couple of those deep passes, (laughs) Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe they'll turn something around there. Who knows? But, yeah, this is a game that uh, just two weeks ago I would have penciled it in to be a Chiefs blowout. But now, I don't know. I think it'll be a good game. I think it will, too. But again, it's Thursday night, so it's probably going to be a crappy game. But it could be a game that the Broncos pull out very easily. Um, I should probably talk about Texans at Colts next because that's a much more evenly matched two teams. Both teams just beating the Chiefs back to back. And that could be a big AFC South tiebreaker come December. But Rich, I'm going to be a little petty jerk and I'm going to skip ahead. The Dolphins are playing at Buffalo (laughs) on Sunday at 10. 
I have this weird feeling that the Dolphins are going to win this one, and I don't know why. Oh, no, there would be nothing more Miami than the Dolphins going into Buffalo, the red-hot Bills team, the second-best team in the AFC by record. There would be nothing more Miami and nothing more Buffalo than the Dolphins <laughs> winning that game. It'll knock the, the Dolphins out of the first overall spot in the draft. It'll sink the Bills and bring them back down to earth. That's just absolutely the perfect scenario to happen. It is, and I don't think the Dolphins want to go 0-16. They just want the number one overall pick. They want to tank for Tua, and as long as they can get that, they want at least maybe one or two wins on the year, so they're not completely remembered as just the worst team ever, because they're on pace to be the worst team ever. Uh, and at, at Buffalo, it would be a great time to do it. But I'm not holding my breath. I just have this weird, weird thing of suspicion. To bounce back to my initial uh, comment about Texans at Colts. I like the Texans in this game. It's at Indy. Dome's always a weird place to play. Can the Colts keep the momentum going and, uh, and upset the Texans here too? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so. I mean, uh, Colts are coming off of a bye week, so that definitely should help. But this Colts team, I know that we ranked them as the, the fifth best team in the AFC in our last podcast, but that's just due to the weakness of the AFC. I had them edging out the Raiders, even though the Raiders technically beat them in week four uh, in Indianapolis. But you look at this this Colts team, they lost in overtime to a terrible Chargers team in week one. They beat an atrocious Titans team in week two. They beat an atrocious Falcons team in week three. Those two victories came with a combined five points. Then they lost to the Raiders. And then, yeah, they beat Kansas City in Kansas City. They deserve a lot of credit for that. And that is a big reason why I ranked them over the the Raiders, even though the Raiders won the head-to-head. But I just see that this Texans team is better in every single facet of the game. The Texans have a much better offense. They have a much better defense. The, The Colts are extraordinarily banged up. I don't see the Colts being able to hang with the Texans, and I expect the Texans to really make a statement that the AFC South is theirs to lose. And it will be theirs to lose should they win that game. Having that game-and-a-half edge over your divisional opponent is so big come December. Um, and speaking of having an edge or a divisional opponent, the Patriots are playing the Jets on Monday night, their Monday night football matchup. I feel like the NFL uh, figured this would be a – better, more evenly matched game in terms of record by this point. Uh, Otherwise, I probably would have a Patriots Bills here. They could have 20-20 hindsight. But that said, Sam Darnold is back. The Jets are coming off a pretty solid win over the Dallas Cowboys, 24-22. Sam Darnold threw for 328 yards, 338 yards, excuse me, two touchdowns, engineered a win. So I don't know if this game's going to be as lopsided as it was in their first meeting with Luke Falk under center. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it'll be that bad either. I think that this is a different Jets team with Darnold under center. I still don't think they are a good Jets team, though. So even though they are playing host in primetime, I'll give my predictions later, but I still don't think that this is a a strong Jets team. But the way that I look at it, and maybe we can start doing uh, some of the matchups here, is that when I look at this Jets offense coming against this Patriots defense, yeah, Darnold is a good player. He doesn't turn the ball over as much as the other quarterbacks. He is harder to tackle. um, And he's like a solid player. But there's only so much talent on this Jets team. 
You know, Le'Veon Bell is the heart of their offense. He's responsible for, like, roughly a third of their entire offensive production. Then they have three wide receivers. You have Jameson Crowder in the slot, Robbie Anderson, a big outside receiver. And then uh, old friend Demarius Thomas has been warming up as of late. But I just see a team that, when I match them up against this Patriots defense, I don't see any way for this Jets offense to win. So, Rich, what did the Jets do against the Cowboys that was so successful? Was it more the Cowboys kind of pooping the bed or the Jets able to manipulate the matchups or find a hole in the defense? How did the Jets score 24 against Dallas? Yeah, well, the the Jets were fortunate enough. They had a really nice play. You don't want to take it away from them. Uh, Sam Darnold had a beautiful deep throw to Robbie Anderson, who scored on a 92-yard play. So big kudos to them. That is definitely worth noting. Um but then they also were able to rely on Le'Veon Bell a little bit. So if they, if the Patriots are going to try and stop this uh, New York Jets offense, they have to make sure that Bell is not going to be super productive. Uh, he only had 50 yards and a touchdown on the day. He also only added in one reception for three yards. But really, his presence uh, really drew a lot of the attention of this Dallas Cowboys defense, and that opened up options for everyone else down the field. So the Patriots need to be able to contain Le'Veon Bell, just like they did in the previous matchup, make sure that he can't bust out for these huge yardage plays, and then they have to win the rest of their matchups in ways that the the Cowboys simply weren't able to do. The, the, the Cowboys secondary was not able to defend these uh, Jets wide receivers and simply put the, the Patriots secondary is just much more talented and I, I just don't see uh, the, the Jets being able to replicate that success they had passing the ball uh, against the Patriots. Now, given that the secondary is more talented, which I definitely agree with, <clears throat> what's your what's your match situation? If you're Gerard Mayo or Bill Belichick or whoever the hell's calling the plays in the sidelines of the defense, are you putting Stephon Gilmore on Robbie Anderson? Is that more of a Jonathan Jones assignment and you give Gilmore uh, Crowder to completely knock him out of the game? How are you assigning your secondary against these Jets receivers? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm not going to overcomplicate things. I'm going to continue to play that man coverage that I think is very, very successful. And uh, I'm going to continue to put Stephon Gilmore on Robbie Anderson because Gilmore has erased Anderson in most of their matchups. You know, 2018, 2019, Robbie Anderson has combined for eight catches against the Patriots for something like 57 yards. Not a lot of production. Gilmore has completely erased him. That is what I will continue to do. And then against Jameson Crowder in the slot, I would put someone like uh, Jason McCourty because Crowder doesn't have that burner speed deep down, so I wouldn't necessarily use Jonathan Jones on him. And then I would put Jones instead on Demarius Thomas and potentially even J.C. Jackson if the, the, the Patriots wanted to throw a wrinkle into their defense like they've done in the past and maybe potentially play Jonathan Jones at safety allow Patrick Chung to cover Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, and then Jonathan Jones can cover the tight ends. So there's a lot of flexibility with the Patriots, but I think the corner of it would be to have Gilmore against Robbie Anderson, make sure that he can't produce, and I think Jason McCourty is a good matchup against Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I like that a lot. Again, I think the putting a hat on a hat, the tail of the tape, so to speak, there just isn't really a Jets receiver who's better than a Patriots defender, uh, defensive back. And that always is a good thing because you can win the one-on-one matchups. And if a guy starts to burn you, you can adjust a little bit and get safety help or or go to a man zone or a press scheme, and and that could really much eliminate it. Uh, And the running game hasn't been great for the Jets 
Le'Veon Bell is really good, but he's not like he's been carrying the team for 150 yards and a touchdown every single week. What I am a little concerned about, though, Rich, is Sam Darnold as a mobile quarterback, as a running quarterback. The Patriots have been burned by mobile quarterbacks in the past who have found openings when the play broke down and the coverage was too tight down the field. He stepped up in the pocket, found an opening, and scrambled for 15 or 16 yards. Do you think it's it's overuse of resources or a waste of resources to put someone like Jamie Collins in like a spiral on Sam Donald, keep him in the pocket? Yeah, I don't think it's super necessary. I think what the Patriots have done in recent years of uh, playing their bare front where they have – uh, you know, five players on that line of scrimmage uh, in their standard, you know, three, four, but they have Kyle Van Noy on one edge and then Jamie Collins or Dante Hightower, whoever they want is on the opposite edge. And then you have your Danny Shelton, Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler clogging things up in the middle. It really prevents the opposing team from getting anything running the ball, and it ensures New England controls the line of scrimmage so quarterbacks can't sneak out. There isn't necessarily a need for a spy because uh, every single gap is accounted for. Every, the Patriots are able to kind of just squeeze the pocket, as we've been able to see over the first six games of, of the season. And they just squeeze the pocket and they sack the quarterback. That's something that we haven't really seen a lot of before this year. And it's really working. They, they, I think Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins together have emerged as two of the better outside linebackers in the league. And I don't see a reason for doing to really change what they've been doing so well. And I, I see it continuing to have success against a Jets offensive line that isn't that good. It's not that good. I think that will allow my defensive X factor, Chase Winovich, to keep up the the, the, the flow. Oh, just like his glowing locks of hair, he's dominating. He's having a great rookie campaign. Had his first touchdown as a pro last week with the, the block pump for the touchdown. And I think he'll have a nice day coming off the edge. Uh, he has some really good stunt moves towards the middle. I think uh, maybe a couple tackles for a loss and two sacks for Winovich on, on Monday night. Ooh, I like that. That is a big prediction there. It is. Uh, I think Winovich is definitely continuing to grow as a player. I'm I'm really excited about what the future holds for him. So I like that a lot. I think that, uh, I, I mean, I, I would expect that the Patriots pass rush should continue to do a great job. I'm going to go with the next level, though, and stay with a different linebacker. I'm going to go with Dante Hightower being my X factor. Um, he is the heart of this Patriots defense. He always does a great job commanding everything that happens. And I expect him to carry part of the role of generating pressure against Darnold up the middle, making sure that the quarterback never gets settled, but also potentially having some time in coverage against Le'Veon Bell, maybe even some of the tight ends. He, he is the, the centerpiece of that Patriots second level. He allows Van Noy and Collins to flourish. He allows Danny Shelton and Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler to look great up the front because he's there for cleanup. So I expect this to be a big game for Hightower and for him to rack up a lot of tackles, generate a few quarterback hits up the middle, maybe even get a couple tackles for loss and a few sacks. Speaking of quarterback hits up the middle and tackles for loss, let's shift to Tom Brady and the Patriots offense because sacks and tackles for loss has kind of been the name of the game, at least early on in matchups as of late. A lot of the Boston sports media are shockingly lamenting how horrible this offense is and what an embarrassment this 6-0 and Patriots team is and how it's ridiculous and blah, 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 nobody cares. Is this the week, Rich, where the Patriots offense gets off the schneid? Or are we still going to have injured guys getting back slowly and maybe it won't be as explosive as it could be, say, come November, December? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would not put a lot of money on the Patriots offense looking phenomenal against this Jets team. Uh, fortunately, the Patriots will have a little bit of time to recover. They were coming off of a short week against the Giants, but they will be on the road against the Jets. Patriots offense looked simply mediocre against the Jets last time they played each other. Uh, Tom Brady did not look super uh, decisive at times. But it worked out ultimately. I mean, the the bottom line is that they ran up a huge offensive score. Jarrett Stidham threw that pick six that kind of stilted that momentum a lot. Um, but I, I would say that a lot of the production that the Patriots were able to generate against the Jets last time, uh, I don't see why they can't do it again. Uh, but I think most of it will come on the ground, if I'm being honest. I, I think that you have Jamal Adams in the secondary who really eliminates most production from the Patriots' tight ends. I wouldn't expect them to have a lot of success. And then, sure, the Jets have a good defensive line. Leonard Williams is a great line uh, defensive lineman. Steve McClendon is another big body up the gut. But uh, I would say when I'm focusing on this defense... Same thing that I said last week didn't really come to fruition, but I see this linebacker group being the weakest part of this Jets defense, and maybe I would challenge Dowell Roberts on the outside, but mostly I would focus on seeing if I could get Sony Michelle involved in the passing game, as he has been, uh, maybe James White, and then continue to soften that Jets defense and just run these long, methodical drives, and I think they could have a lot of success doing that. So do you think that Sony Michelle will have a a good game on Monday night, or will he be kind of stymied? It's more like a Rex Burkhead game if he's healthy. Yeah, I, I think this <laughs> could say it's a Brandon Bolden game because Bolden's yeah. been kind of been taking over that Rex Burkhead role. Uh, Burkhead's been dealing with a foot injury. He could possibly play this week. We shall see. I, I think Sonny Michel will continue to to produce. I know that he's had a lot of garbage time production as of late, but uh, it's worth noting that he's averaged 100 yards from scrimmage per game over the past three weeks against the Bills, against Washington, the Giants, two not great defenses, but New England has made a point of getting him involved in the passing game. He has 59 receiving yards over the past two weeks. That forces opposing defense to soften up, make sure that uh, you know the linebackers can't crash the hole every single time he's on the field because maybe there's more of a play action. Maybe they have to run to the sideline. I expect Sonny Michel to continue to play well. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he finished with 100-plus yards from scrimmage and a score as well. But my X factor is kind of in part with that. I'm going to go with Ted Karras at center. He has hmm. been he's coming off his best game as an offensive lineman for the Patriots against the Giants. He needs to do it again playing against a quality defensive front with Leonard Williams there. Uh, even if he doesn't match up with Williams specifically, but I, I think Karras needs to continue to play at a good level because the Patriots rushing attack really suffered when he when Karras was an obvious decline from David Andrews because that meant that Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason weren't able to to really generate as much push on the interior. We've seen Karras kind of settle into his role as of late, and if Karras can continue to play at a high level, then I think that will really open up the door for Michelle to have a really strong game, and that'll make everything much easier for Tom Brady to not necessarily see as much pressure, and that'll make the passing game a little bit easier. Not only that, but having a solid game from Karras means that the Patriots will have a, a clean pocket for Brady to step up in. Most times he takes a sack because he can't step up in that pocket and he can't avoid the outside pressure, which New has seems to be giving up. Uh, so I, I like that. Uh, it's funny, I almost picked Tom Brady 
as my offensive X factor, <laughs> give him a chance, chance, chance just to kind of light it up for a while. But I think that's too obvious. Uh, I'm going to look at the game we saw last week against the Giants and see if Jacoby Myers can kind of keep momentum going. I didn't get a very solid outing in limited reps, more reps as more guys got banged up in the game. And on some very nice catches, some good root awareness. I saw one play deep in the fourth where he had kind of an option route. Picked the right option and came down at a high point at it. I'm hoping he can continue to build Tom Brady's trust. I think with Gordon still not 100%, Edelman still coming back from the injury, uh, we're not quite there yet with a, a full strength of offensive weapons with the wide receiver core. So if Myers can have another solid game, uh, that's one more week towards being Tom Brady's kind of go-to guy and have that kind of Malcolm Mitchell-esque second half of the season. Oh, I agree. I like that. Um, I, I think that this Patriots passing attack needs someone else to emerge, so why not? Um but yeah, this is not necessarily the game I see this Patriots offense to emerge, but who knows? It could happen. Stranger things have happened, right? I mean, the Patriots have been absolutely dominating the competition at this point, and the Jets are riding high off of their victory against the Dallas Cowboys, but at the end of the day, they still are the Jets. They they were absolutely walloped by the Philadelphia Eagles back in Week 5, uh, and then they were also crushed by both the Browns and the Patriots. I know they had a difference at quarterback, but I don't know. Maybe it could happen again. Let's go into predictions here, Alec. Uh, what happened last week? Who gets to go first here? All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, I had the Patriots beating the Giants 31 to 10. You had the Patriots beating the Giants 33 to 6. So you were closer with Patriots score, but I was closer overall. So it looks like it is me making the first pick this week. Uh, New York Jets. The Patriots rarely ever sweep the AFC East. When they lose to the AFC East, it's usually on the road. They go like 5-1, and one, maybe 4-2 and two in the really off years. But that's not going to happen. I don't see the Patriots losing to the Jets in New York. It's possible because there's always that game every year. They go on the road and they just look terrible. And some team just looks amazing. And there's nobody quarterback completes like 80% of his passes. And the Patriots get shocked and everyone goes crazy. Could that happen on Monday night? 100%. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't. I think the Patriots are going to be fine. I think Philip Dorsett will be back. That'll be huge. I think they'll run the ball well, as you've been alluding to in the podcast. I think the Jets get a couple of scores, maybe another interception for Tom Brady or another fumble recovery. But at the end of the day, another comfortable win for the Patriots, 27-14. to 14. Ooh, I like that. That's very close to what I was thinking. Um, I agree. Uh, this is the last away game that the Patriots have in the division. They won their first two uh, very comfortably against the Dolphins, then a nail-biter against the Bills. I think this one splits the difference just because this is where the Jets are as a team. I expect the Patriots to win this one as well. Um, I think that their offense will continue to produce well uh, enough. You know, that they will be average to above average. I don't see any drastic changes in the offense unless some surprise player emerges. You know, maybe this will be Jacoby Myers' big game of the year. Um, but I, I think when it comes down to it, you have a Jets team that is not overly complex when it comes to the amount of options they have. And the Patriots have shown an ability over the past few years to just absolutely shut down uh, the opposing players here. So I, I don't see Robbie Anderson really breaking free. Le'Veon Bell can produce, and I like Jamison Crowder a lot, but the Patriots' defense should just overwhelm this Jets' offense. They should be able to move the ball a little bit, but I'm going to go New England wins this one 33-13. 
33-13, and the Patriots' streak of scoring 30 points continues. I hope that is the case, and I hope that 13 points comes in their garbage time score because I always love it when the Patriots beat the crap out of the Jets in prime time. It also seems to me when the Patriots travel to New York Jets in prime time, very bad things happen for the Jets. So maybe we'll get like a butt fumble part two. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be amazing. I feel like there's going to be a lot of good headlines if that happens. Alec, do you have any <laughs> final thoughts on week seven of the NFL season? No, let's close it out strong. Move to seven and zero. Oh. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.